Exodus 34, I'm gonna give this to you, Bree. Exodus 34, 29 through 35. You ready for the word today? It says this, as Moses descended from Mount Sinai with the Lord, or with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands as he descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone or was shining. As a result, watch this, as a result of speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near, as you would be if a dude goes up on a mountain, he comes back down and his face is glowing. Like, you're going to be like, you're weird, stay away, Okay. They were afraid to come near him, but Moses called out to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had told them on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his his face. I want you to hear this. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. After he came out, he would tell the Israelites what had what he had been commanded. And the Israelites would see that Moses' face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. So I want you to get this, I want you to get this activity that's happening, happening between Moses and God. Moses would go onto a mountain. He would hear from God. He would come back down. His face would be shiny. He'd put a veil over it. He'd speak to the people. Moses would go onto a mountain. He would speak to God. By being in the presence of God, his face would shine. He would come back down and he would speak to the people. Moses would go onto the mountain, he would talk with God, his face would shine, he would come off of the mountain, people would notice that he had been with God because his face was shining, he'd put a veil on him. Moses would go onto the mountain, he would speak with God, he would come down and speak with the people, his face was shining. Let me, let me maybe put it this way. Moses would go onto a mountain, be with God, face would shine. Moses would go onto a mountain, be with God, face shine. Moses, mountain, face, shine. Moses, mountain, face, shine. You guys get the picture. Today, I wanna speak to you from the subject as we close out this series, Presence and Encounter. I wanna speak to you from the subject, fire and iron. Fire and iron. As we look at how the presence of God changes our lives. Presence of God on a mountain, shiny face, changes who we are. Would you pray with me one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are here right now. We don't have to ask for your presence to come. Your presence is already here. It's been here the whole time. So God, I ask that we would have the courage to acknowledge that you are here. God, I ask right now that you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And it's in asking for the eyes to see and the ears to hear that we see you and we hear you and we are changed by you. So God, I thank you for your presence and that in your presence there is fullness of joy. We love you, we honor you, and we worship you in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I wanna, I wanna take us on a journey today, like I said, a very different message than I normally speak. So I need you to use the shapes and colors side of your mind today. How many, where are my shapes and colors people at? Okay, do we have any of you in this room or is this my cerebral group? Okay, where are all my like one, two, three, ABC lists, dotted off, check boxes? Oh, great, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Um, 
Okay, so I really need you to be diligent with me and just like move into right brain for a second, okay? Can you do that with me today? I'm gonna tell a story. And I'm gonna invite us all in, in, into this story. In his book, Finding Our Way Again, and, and guys, you might wanna bring these down a little bit. Let's, let's set the mood, okay? In his book, Finding Our Way Again, writer and author Brian McLaren tells a story by inviting you and I to be the main characters in it. On a cool autumn evening, this is where I need you to grab a hold of the imagery. On a cool autumn evening in the hills of a Franciscan village, we find ourselves sitting next to a fire with the abbess of a monastery. There are many reasons that we find ourselves at this fire. Exhaustion, weariness, Hopelessness, fatigue, we're run down. We've been carrying the weight of the world and we don't know how much more nor how much longer we can do this. And as we sit next to the fire watching the flames dance and the sparks from the dry wood be carried off into the night sky, the abbess picks up a cold, black as night steel rod. She uses the rod to to stir the, the burning logs. Reminding you and I once again just how hot the fire is as it engulfs the dry logs with force and authority. Warmth is felt over every part of us. And inside our heads, we utter these words, I could stay here forever. The abbess shuffles across the room to make some tea and and as she does, she leaves the steel rod submerged in the fire. We don't notice it as we are entranced by the dancing flames and the warmth of the fire as it lulls us to a place that we haven't been in a while, rest. And as she returns back with tea in hand, she says to us, do you see my mistake? And caught off guard, we don't, we don't know what, what, to, what to say, yet alone what she's even talking about. She, with a steady, shaky hand, points to the rod in the fire. She says, there. The rod, do you see it? We look, and as we do, we see the rod that she'd used earlier to poke and readjust the logs with. And as we continue to stare at the rod and the fire, the abbess lifts her voice and says, I left it there to teach you something. Now we're at this fire, not just gazing at the fire, but our mind is running a million miles an hour as to what she could possibly be trying to teach us. Curious, our attention is now focused even greater upon the rod in the fire, trying to figure out what, what's going on. And as we lock our eyes on the rod, we can see that the tip of the rod has begun to glow the same color as the embers it was placed in. With the glow of the fire all around us, the abbess softly treads into her lesson as she knows that this is about to be a holy moment. She instructs you and I about the nature of the iron being cold and dark and the nature of the fire being hot and light. She explains that the power of the fire is far greater than the power of the iron. So instead of the iron making the fire cold, the fire makes the iron hot. And as a result, she says, if the iron is placed in the fire long enough, the nature of the fire overshadows the nature of the iron. And the iron begins to catch the nature of the fire. She goes on to say the light and the heat of the fire illuminate and warm the darkness and 
and the cold of iron so that the iron is fireized. It partakes, she says, in the nature of fire until it becomes light and heat itself. I tell this story to help us grab a hold of a truth that I want us to work with today, and it's this. Our proximity to his presence will change the nature of who we are. Fire and iron. Fire and iron. Paul the Apostle would remind us this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as he would write this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see that the new has come. See, many of us know what in means, but this in, Paul uses, is very specific. It has a very specific meaning and classification. It means to be one with, to be, to be unified, to be of the The same. Jesus would make this designation as he speaks to his disciples in John chapter 15, verses one through five, when he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. See, there's pruning on both sides. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And then he says this, remain in me. Remain in me. Make sure I don't light myself on fire. And I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Fire and iron. Fire and iron. So many of us are trying to be good and do good. Many of us in this room today are trying to behave ourselves to freedom. I just wonder what would happen if we would allow ourselves to be so saturated, so consumed with Christ that we simply took on a new nature and character that is found only in him. This is what it means to be submerged, planted, found in, saturated, engulfed, caught up in Christ. Fire. And iron. This is what Paul would say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, when he would say this For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, in the Bible, we are informed with this truth by way of a very specific, important word sanctification. (laughs) We're told in Galatians 2.20 that we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Christ is the fire. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24, lots of Bible today, because I want you to know this is not my opinion, this is not my illustration. This is what the Bible is showing us, that he is the fire, and I am the iron. He is the heat and the light, and I am the cold iron. And when I find myself in the fire, all of a sudden I take on a new nature. I become something different. Why? Because his fire changes me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. 
And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you, I love this, watch this. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He'll do it. But we still run around trying to behave. I want us to stay at the fireside in the Franciscan village because I want us to understand something about the journey of faith that you and I are on. You will never behave yourself to the place that the fire changes you. Here's what I wanna encourage us today. Get in the fire. Get in the fire. We are the iron. The process of sanctification is what I like to call the process of fire and iron. It is the journey of being changed in and through Jesus. This is presence and encounter. And it's more than some experiential moment, although that's beautiful right now, right? Little dim blue in here, lights down, fire at the front of the stage. You're like, oh, this is so nice. It's experiential. He had me when he lit the flames on fire. Some of you are getting really creative and like, what happens if it tips? <laughs> That's why we have Pastor Dave. So, <laughs> But for many of us, this is where our faith journey will begin and end in an experiential moment in a building rather than tomorrow, Monday, once again, reinserting myself into the fire. Tuesday, reinserting myself into the fire. Wednesday, reinserting myself into the fire. Thursday, reinserting myself into the fire. Friday, reinserting myself into the fire. Saturday, reinserting myself into the fire. One year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years. Well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't behave all the time, but you got in the fire every day. This is a journey that begins with submission to a consent to the transforming work of God's authority and grace in our lives. He is the fire. Do you realize that today, that you have to consent to it? He made the first signature in blood. I just have to consent to it. Is Jason on the journey? Is Rachel on the journey? Is Devon on the journey? Have you ever consented to anything before? Listen to John the Baptist in Luke chapter three, verses 15 through to 17. Is it all right if we just wander through the Bible today? Concerning this truth about Jesus, now the people were waiting expectantly, Luke chapter three, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. So what you have right here is John running around baptizing people and he's doing all these spectacular things. And, and people were doing what humans have done for centuries. And that is put their stock in a person. John was famous by all categories. He was running around doing these miraculous things. And, and people were wondering in their hearts if John was the guy. If John was the Messiah. And watch what John does. John answered them all. I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. However, there's a battle that takes place between the fire and the iron. The iron, if taken out of the fire, will begin to revert back to its original state. 
This is what Paul the Apostle highlights for us in Romans chapter 7, 21 through 25 when he says this, so I discover this law, when I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. I want to be in the fire. But I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. When we take the iron out of the fire, the iron does something pretty inexplicable. It reverts back to itself. Oh, it takes on the nature of the fire. It glows red hot. And if I were to invite Bree up here right now or any one of you up here right now or Seth up here right now, even though it's reverted back to its original nature, if I were to place it on my skin right now, we would still know it's been in proximity of something. (laughs) But you take it away long enough and it will revert back completely to cold iron. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about being perfect. Paul would tell us earlier in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fallen short. The relationship of fire and iron is not perfection. Come on, somebody, it's process. And that process takes place in presence and encounter. The great writer C.S. Lewis would say it this way, even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas, if you simply try to tell the truth, Without carrying two pence, how often it has been told before, you will, nine out of ten times, become the original without ever having noticed it. The principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and everything else will be thrown in, fire and iron. John the Baptist, Paul the Apostle, C.S. Lewis, and Brian McLaren, all speaking about the same truth in different ways, fire and and iron. Are you with me today, church? So as we come to the close of our series, Presence and Encounter, as we get ready to go on the journey of saving sacred, I wanna leave us with a few overarching truths that I hope and pray we can hold on to this year and for years to come concerning presence and encounter and more specifically the relationship between fire and and iron. Here's the first truth that I want us to grab a hold of today. And I pray that it is seared, no pun intended. <laughs> Abby, don't shake your head at me. <laughs> Abby's like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I pray that it is seared upon our hearts. Here's the first truth what we surrender to will always sculpt us. What we surrender to will always sculpt us. 
Romans 6, 12 through 16. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not, Paul emphatically says. Don't you know that if you offer, here it is, if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. In other words, what we surrender to, what we consent to will always sculpt us, whether we like it or not. When I submit to Oreos like I did last night, (laughs) it began to sculpt me. (laughs) Come on, somebody, the devil's a liar. Funny thing is, is we like to think and believe that we're exercising free will all the time. That nothing has any type of control or power of us. That we are truly independent men and women. However, the truth is that we are very much the product of what we have surrendered ourselves to. This is why part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The exercising of the Spirit of God in our lives by way of of self-control says that I will not surrender my life to anything except the leading and the authority of Jesus. I want us to understand that when we say we are exercising free will, most times that we're, we're not. We have free will, but many of us don't exercise our free will. That is why we still live out of the dysfunction of the past. Don't tell me you have free will when I make decisions upon what has happened in the past. Come on, somebody. That's not free will. That's submission to something. See, this is why the Bible teaches us that when we place ourselves in the fire, when we find ourselves in the heat, and we take on a new nature, we are different in Christ. We become new creations, and therefore we are exercising the fruit that is within us by way of his spirit, and that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Am I talking to anybody in church today? I find it interesting that for many of us, we believe that we can live and do and submerge ourselves in the things that we do and think that over time, they will not define us. They always define us. Fire and iron. I guess that one could say that there are different types of fires we could place ourselves in. Different fire pits, if you will. Let me put it this way. The truth is this, is that we pick up the accents of the things that we submit our lives to. Let me illustrate it this way. I lived in Australia for three plus years. And when I came back, I had picked up the accent. Hello, mate. (laughs) Sorry, Oliver. I know that's really bad. (laughs) Sorry, Oliver. (laughs) But when I prayed... People would say, like, oh, you, have this, you have this weird accent. And, di- and different people from different countries would pick it up even thicker. Canadians, they picked it up, like, big time. I don't know why, but Canadians would really grab a hold of it. But there were times, like, I would say, like, all of a sudden, after a little while there, I'd begin to say mate. I don't even, who, who says mate? Americans don't say mate. Hey, mate. How you doing, mate? 
Like we don't do that, but I would do that. Like it, it became ingrained. Why? Because I picked up an accent. Why? Because I had been submerged in a culture for a long enough time. As I spent my time there and as I went out to restaurants and as I hung out with people and as I were at beaches and in, and in coffee shops and I became friends with people that were different than me, all of a sudden because of the submersion within it, I picked up an accent. So I wonder if we can understand this truth right now that what we submit ourselves to will always define us. Picked up an accent. Ooh, hey. When we live in a place long enough, we'll pick up not just the accent, but the culture, ways of doing things, and the general reality of that place or thing. See, if we submit to the thing that was spoken over us by that person, we'll pick up the accent of their truth. Come on, am I helping anybody today? When I submit long enough to, to behaviors that don't honor God, instead of finding myself in the fire, I'm gonna pick up an accent. Can we start, can we? Justin Timberlake tried to bring sexy back. I'm just wondering if we can bring holy back. Come on, somebody. And we sang the song. We got all excited. Oh, like JT's bringing sexy back. I wanna bring the fire back. I want to bring the new nature that's promised to me back. I want to find myself submitted to a greater power, a greater strength, a greater reality. All the world may want to bring sexy back. I want to bring holy back. I want to bring the refining fire back. I want to change. I'm going to stop there. So many thoughts. Here's the second truth. There is always rest in the fire. First Peter 5, 6 through 11. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Then he says this, resist him. I want you to see right here in verse nine, the clarion call that helps us understand we don't have the excuse that the devil made me do it. No, resist him. Resist him. Firm in the faith. Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Verse 10, here it is. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself Restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. See, in the presence of God, in the fire, there's always rest. See, when the iron comes out of the fire and tries to do it in itself, it's not rest, it's work. It's labor. Oh, there's still a smell of the fire. There's still the heat of the fire, but the glow's gone. The interesting thing about it 
is that when it finds itself back in the fire, that's the restfulness. Because the transforming comes from the flame, not from the iron. Outside of the flame, it's no longer moldable. It's rigid, it's hard, it's cold, it's lifeless. But in the flame, there's rest. Because the iron doesn't have to do anything to become new. Even still, if it stays in the fire long enough, not only does it take on the nature of the fire, but it becomes so moldable that it can be changed to the very thing the fire wants it to be changed to. In Jesus, there's restoration, establishment, strengthening, and support. Because the truth is this, there is always rest in the fire. How many of you right now, show of hands, would love a little rest? I'm not talking sleep. I'm talking rest. Come on, somebody. And here's the last truth that I want us to grab a hold of today. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's smoke, there's fire. First Peter chapter one, three through nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, a living hope. Come on, that's good news. Yeah. The resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled. Oh, let, me, let me stop, I'm going too fast. Listen to this. Into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, and even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Watch this, here's why. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, results in praise, glory, honor at the revelation of Jesus. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with the inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's what I want us to hear. Smoke is the evidence that fire is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Let me say that one more time. Smoke is the evidence that fire is doing what it's supposed to be doing. How many of you know this truth to be true? When you see smoke in the distance, you know something's on fire. Come on. And you think to yourself, I wonder what's being burnt down. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Now there's no smoke in this because then there would have been water. <laughs> We have to give up the notion that the process of sanctification in our lives is a nice process. I've found many times that the process of God's great work in my life is in a way violent, yet beautiful, producing transformation. See, the problem that many of us face is that we want God to move in our lives, but in a way that is suburban and docile. in a way that, in fact, can be described as a moment of a pat on the back and an attaboy. 
I wonder if we can come to the place, though, through presence and encounter that we could say and actually mean, Lord, have your complete and total way in me. Burn up what has been built through fire that I may become the person you have designed me to be. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And when the fire's burning, the logs dwindle away, the house comes down, the building begins to collapse, and at the end of the fire, when it's all burnt down, all that's left are red hot embers. And it's in that place that Paul would write to Timothy and remind him to fan into flame the gift that is inside of him. See, for many of us, if we want the fire, we have to first allow the fire to burn everything else down. Burn away my pride, burn away my ego, burn away my religion, burn away my prejudice, burn away my, my notions, burn away the words that have been spoken over me, burn away my fear and my insecurity and, and, and the hollowness that is there. Fire and iron. If you would do me a favor, guys, I want you to just see this one more time. Would you bring the lights down? Because in a dark world, fire burns brightest. And I pray that we find ourselves in that fire. So don't be afraid of the darkness around you. Just let the fire burn. And in a dark world where there's fire burning, everyone else will notice it. And like we did at the beginning with the Abbas, they too will wanna sit around the fire and find something that they haven't experienced in a long time. Rest for their souls. Jesus, we praise you. We worship you right now. We thank you for your presence. We stand honored to be in it. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around right now. As the lights come up a bit, I wanna ask those of us in this room right now 
who may be in here for the first time or have never heard about this Jesus character. And you may be saying to yourself right now, I want that fire in me. We're gonna pray a prayer right now and it's, well, really nothing fancy in the words, but rather it's the prayer that says, I'm taking the iron that is me and placing it into the fire that is Jesus. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around right now, maybe you would say, Jason, I've heard about the Jesus of religion and I've heard about the Jesus of rules and, and regulation, but I haven't heard about the fire.